From local to global, we bring you the best conversations with your favorite athletes and Olympians. This is the Olympics.com podcast. Welcome to the Olympics.com podcast. And that's right, we are ringside for this one. Tom Kirkland and our entire podcast team lacing up the gloves. Excited for the first of two Paris 2024 World Boxing qualifying events. 668 boxers from 114 National Olympic Committees and the Boxing Refugee Team set to throw down at the Maria Piantanita Sports Palace in Busto Arzizio, Italy. Refugee to me means a life-changing opportunity, you know, as have, I see a lot of refugees out there all around the world that have so many potential, but they don't have that, uh, that door yet for them to be open. I was so lucky and I thank God every day. While 49 NOCs have already won at least one boxing quota for Paris 2024, those awarded at the five continental qualifiers in Europe, Africa, Asia, the Americas, and Oceania. There will be another 49 quotas, one from the Italy boxing qualifier, 28 men, 21 women, and for the first time ever, Cuba will have women participating in a World Olympic qualifying event. Because of the intense interest, overflow registration, and participation, they've had to expand the tournament from three to four days. Olympics.com podcast. Among those hoping to step from the ring in Italy directly to the Olympic rings at the fabled tennis venue Roland Garros in Paris, Cindy Ngamba, 25-year-old Cameroonian who's battled most of her life in and out of the ring, punching through barriers and stereotypes, now proud to represent the Olympic refugee team and in the mix for a possible quota spot for the Paris 2024 boxing tournament. Cindy, thank you so much for giving us some time. Welcome to the Olympics.com podcast. Thank you for having me, Tom. I appreciate it. Looking forward to our chat here. How do you feel? First of all, body and mind as you approach another huge Olympic chance in Italy. I feel good. I feel confident. I feel um, fit. I feel very strong and uh, I have loads of skills, you know, loads of uh, tools that I've been working on in my training. Um, throughout the last competition, the last um, qualifier. So, you know, it's another another, another round again, ready to go. Yeah, we're going to get m- more into that in depth, but I just want to back up a little. Can you give us an idea what growing up in Cameroon was like? Growing up in Cameroon was good. You know, I was a little girl, an African girl, you know, living with my family down there, growing up as a, I don't know, as a, as a, as a child, you know, doing children things. And um, there was not a lot of... Um, facility there was not a lot of like uh, you know career wise or future you know future career wise or like a future something to look look up to in the f- in middle in my future life when I was little so uh, I was just a little girl all I knew was go and play with my friend outside and uh, come back home and go to school and do my work and go to bed and wake up and clean the house and you know do my duty and yeah Sounds like a pretty good little kid, normal pretty little kid story there. Uh, who did you rely on? I relied, I relied on my mom and my my brother. My brother at the moment that he's here with me in the UK. He's he's only one year older than me. He's called Kenneth Nakamba, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's always taking care of me, even when my mom was away. Or you know, uh, when I was little, I didn't have my father with me when I was little, and um, I had my older brothers. They were the ones taking care of me. Mainly, they were the ones telling me off or shouting at me or telling me oh, when I was doing, you know, naughty things or if I did, if I was told to do something I never got on with it, they would tell me I was getting on with it. Now, I know you will get into boxing, you get into it later, but what, what kind of things did you do as a kid? What what kind of sports, what kind of thing? how did you have fun? Oh, when I was little, I was no, I was not part of the girl group, really. I was more part of the boys group, you know. I was so, I would always think behind my brother. He didn't like it, he used to hate it. You know, he used to go and hang out with his friend, he'd be like, don't follow me. I'll be watching you if you follow me. So I'll wait until he goes and I'll be hiding. And I keep on looking just to see if he can still see me. And I just be looking what direction he turns. And I'm like, okay, he turned that way. And then he turned that way and that way. And then I wait, like, I tell myself, let me just wait one minute. One minute and then I follow him. And then I don't know, I was always a girl. What time he goes out, I go out. What time he come back home and I come back home. He come back home late and my mom would be shouting at him. Even though it's my fault. Why do you let your sister stay outside that long? You know, she's a girl. She's not meant to stay outside. Out there, but I've always done. I've always been a, you know, tomboy. You know, I hang out with the boys. We go and play. You know, we f- we fight together. We climb trees. You know, we climb building and we play with rugs. You know, you know those rugs that you you throw on the sea and they bounce mm-hmm. off. I used to 
we and then we take like wheels, we'll roll wheels in the road, we can roll the fastest wheel, we play football, you know, we, 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 we'll see who can climb the tree the fastest, we can come, come down the fastest. You know, we go and in the sea, you try to touch animals. It was just weird. It was just, you know, things that you think about when you're, you're older and you're like, I can't believe I did those type of things when I was little. It's actually dangerous, but when you're little, you don't really think about that's danger. You just think, oh, this is fun. Yeah. I'm enjoying myself. For sure. You sound like a you were a fearless little kid. Well, I was. I was. I was a fearless girl. And I was, I think, having like, you know, your people, your family, and your sibling by your side, you're just more comfortable. You get your personality, your personality open up a bit more. So, yeah. Uh, so why did your family uh, leave Cameroon when you were 11? I guess, right? 11, you guys packed up. It was for a better future. Like I said, the facility back in Cameroon was not very much, you know, was not very much guaranteed for the future. Um, so it was best for us to move um, here in England to a better future, a better life. And you go to the UK. Um, and uh, I know there's a lot of challenges. I moved around when I was young. I moved countries. It's, it's not easy. Um, and you're without your mom. And there's a new language. So talk us through some of the aha moments you have when you get to the UK and life is totally different. So when I first when I first go out the airport, to be honest, I go on the plane. I had never seen the plane in my entire life. It was my first time seeing the plane. Never was. So when they take off, when you actually took off, I bought Angle for me in because, you know, everything to me was like, oh, what's that? It was new. Never seen it in my entire life. I've seen it on TV, but it's different. Obviously, when you see things actually real life, you're like, Oh wow! So this is how it looks. It looks bigger. Oh wow! It's gorgeous, beautiful. But uh, when I first came in the UK, I was like, "Oh my god, it's so cold! <laughs> it's so cold! It's so cold!" And that was even the most, the you know, the thing that that stood out to me the most. It was actually the language barrier. So English was my first. It was never my first language. French has always been my first language. Fluently. So you know, when I would hear people speak on the plane or at the airport, the in you know in Manchester Airport. I would think, what is this? What language is this? All I could hear was me, 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 me. And I was like, there's no way I'll be able to learn this language. And in no way, not anyone could tell me within two or three years, I'll be able to learn the language. But going past after a couple of months, couple of years, I got registered to a new school, you know. I was just shy, I was shy, but I was, you know, when you come into a new country and everything's just different, the weather, the environment, people, you know, the energy and the vibe, the, the social life, yes. everything, everything's different. You're a bit, you know, you're a bit pulled back, you're a bit held back. So if you're an extrovert, automatically you become an introvert because it's like, you're a bit, you're a bit, you know, you don't know where to put your feet. You don't know where to, you know, where to put yourself in. So I was very shy, keep myself to myself. Obviously, when I go back home with my family, I was a bit, I was be myself. But when I come out of the house, I was just be like held back. Uh, the language was the first struggle that I, I struggled a lot with. You know, it took me a couple of years to learn. And the people, the environment, and, you know, I've always been very, very shy. When I go into school, um, I try to make friends, but since I was just very, very shy. So I got a bit bullied in school because of my, my accent and my language. It wasn't very much. Uh, so I think that's why at the moment I held back a bit more with the bullying that went past throughout the year in school. But um, I got better. What what did the bullying I got better at school, college, and university? What did the sorry? What did the bullying feel like? Because I think all of us remember at some point in early school, but moving is a whole another element of the bullying. What that must have hurt. Yeah, it did. It did hurt a lot. It, hurt, it hurted me a lot, to be honest. When I go back home and I would tell you know my family at Bali, they would just tell me to just you know be strong and it's okay. Look, that's it will take time for me to adapt. You know, and I go to school and that ways on how I, I managed to deal with it was uh, I just try to ignore it, but you can't ignore something because they're just there on your face. You know, there's some kid that will literally come on your face and to try to get a reaction out of you. And my reaction was money of like just putting my head down, you know, because I I didn't even have the confidence to even try to fight because, you know, I, that's how I'm scared. I think sometimes when you get bullied, you're scared of the bullying, the, you know, the person that bullies you, you get very scared of that. So most of my time, I would just bring my head down or maybe go to the toilet and cry about it, go home and complain to my sibling and my mom, my, my, my stepmom and my dad about it and go to school the next day, get the same thing. And I think I got better. I just got comfortable with the uncomfortableness, you know. 
because hmm. there was nothing I could do about it. I'll tell the teacher, I'll report it to the teacher, obviously, and they will try to tell the bully to stop doing what they were doing. But again, they keep on doing what they were doing. So it was hard. It was very, very hard. I think that those are the, you know, for my teenage years, in the, when I first came in the UK and continue for my, my paper situation and uh, until I turned about 19 years old, those were the hardest time when I first came in the UK. Uh, just, you know, just to be able to adapt. Mm, for sure. Uh, I know teachers helped you a lot. There was a there was a couple and, and they opened the door to you being more comfortable. Yeah, when I was in school, I had the, two of my favorite teachers. Uh, so when you're in school, you get to choose three course, which is... Um, Choose any course that you enjoy. Mine was art at BE. I always loved sport. Like I said, I was a tomboy. <laughs> so I chose sport was my favorite thing on the throughout the week for my lesson. So there was two teachers that I always, uh, you know, that would always take care of me. You know, if I ever get bullied and cetera, one was called Mrs. Park and one was called Mrs. Caulfield. Mrs. Park, uh, like I said, when I left Park, uh, when I left Cameroon, uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know about the deodorant, you know, so I was a little girl that smelled a bit because of sweat, and I didn't know that you have to spray yourself. So some of the girls in the change room in my ear would make fun of me because I smelled. So one day my teacher took me on the side and she told me, this is this is called a deodorant. Deodorant, uh-huh. you spray on yourself after and before, you know, just so that it helps you. You know, that just she was the one that helped me more to learn about the hygiene hygiene of like, a, you know, of like being a woman or a teenager going into your hormones and everything. So, you know, that would take care of me and always kept me going and always pushed me to strive for the best of the best. That's uh, that's really good. Uh, it's good to hear that. Uh, how did you discover boxing? Um, so when I turned about 14 years old and I was just about to finish my last year in school, uh, my brother was the one that told me, uh, okay, we need you to be active because we know you love sport. So I started running every morning before school and that just became easier for me. Then he found the youth club because they used to give our leaflet for like a youth club. It's called Bolton Lads and Girls mm-hmm. Club. It's based in Bolton in the UK. And uh, I went to the youth club and I joined the female football team. And again, I got bored because it wasn't challenging as much as I wanted. One day when I was walking out of the female training, um, session because it was finished. I saw many boys come out of the room. You know, they were sweating. There was like evaporation uh, coming out from the shoulder. Yeah. And I was like, this is so dope. You know, they were sweating. <laughs> I, I was like, I don't want to see what they were doing in there. I walked in, saw a dog, saw a boxing bag in the ring. People in there are, are curious. Me, I'm always curious. I love, maybe it's, it's, a, it's a good thing at the same time. But anyway, <laughs> open the door, walk in, and all I hear is bam, bam. And I see boys in the ring punching each other with head guard, you know, moving. And I'm thinking, this is cool. People skipping, doing exercise. And uh, my coach, my coach, Dave Langone and Nick uh, Raymond, they were there. Um, I walk in and uh, my coach, Dave Langone, they did not even look at me. You know, at that time, he did not believe in female boxing. Sure. Looking at TJ, ask him now, he he, he loves Bama boxing. You know, because he always says because of me. Because he never thought, <laughs> never believed in female kickboxing, etc. Anyway, got in the gym, walking. My coach talked to me and he's telling me the session runs at this time, that time. Go back home, come back home, the, come back the next day to the session. And um, I'm thinking, they're going to make me pull gloves on. I'm going to get in the ring, punch people. First thing they tell me to do is get a skipping rope. All I did for two years. For two years of my life, skipping. Two years? Two years of my life in boxing. But from 15 years old to into that turn 17, for two years, all I did was uh, three minutes skipping, 10 press up, 10 sit up, 10 squat. Back to back for one hour and a half of the session. You know, I think my coach, Dave Langon, was trying to, we were, he was trying to test if I can keep on going constant, constantly. You know, I think he thought I was going to, you know, a lot of teenagers these days, they say they're going to do something and then next minute, you know, they're just... But to me, I just thought, at the beginning, I thought, why is he doing this to me? Like, why? Why is he so mean? But I think I automatically understood what he was trying to do. So I was like, I'm not going to give up. I'm just, I'm going to stick to you. I'm going to keep on coming, keep on uh, pushing myself. And in 2017, when I first started boxing, I was 110 kg. I was a big mm-hmm. girl, you know. So I dropped from 100 kg all the way to 91. And... Uh, 
one day my coach Dave Lagon came to me and he told me, okay, um, join the session, I joined the session. Me thinking again, I'm going to hit the bag. No, I didn't hit the bag. All he told me was how to move my head, keep my hands off, you know, my boxing stand, moving forward, backward and sideways and slipping and dodging and, you know, Again, I think I spent a couple of months just learn, <laughs> repeating, learning about that. I think looking at it back now, he always tells me he wanted me to learn about the momentum in boxing. Mm. Not to just go straight away and hit the bag, but how to, what it takes to have that movement, that skills, you know, that, uh, that it's like that momentum in boxing. And uh, uh, after joining boxing in 2015, I had my first fight in 2018. So, um, Three years hmm. after joining boxing, that's when I had my first fight. That's where it started from. Then I started sparring with the boys in the gym. And I actually got hit once in the gym by one boy. I dropped on the floor and my coach thought I was going to stay down. I got back up and I was like, good shot. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought I was crazy. <laughs> he actually thought I was crazy. And I got back up and I, you know, I gave my own too, you know. A lot of boys were always scared to hit me. But once I hit them, I think it came with... Automatically, they were like, damn, how can a girl like this hate me? So they started hitting me back. You know, when you get in the ring with boys, they'd be like, hell back. They're like, this is a girl. But when you hit them, they're like, no way am I going to let her hate me like that. But yeah, and that is where we are now. Mm, that's, that's funny. So those right when you're beginning your career, uh, describe the feeling in the ring as you start to say, this is me. You know, th I finally found something and I love this. Boxing, boxing is a beautiful sport, you know, and it's always, it's just, it's just a beautiful thing, I think, in a way of like the, how, you know, how quick when you get in the ring, the bells, the, they ring the bell and, and it's just finished just like that. You're, you're, you're left visualizing how you were moving, what you throw, what you got caught with, you know, how intense it was. You know, this moment in, when I get in the ring, I'm like, uh, this is it now. This is what I worked out for now. I'm going to go and give my best shot. And then you get hit with a shot and you're like, well, let me keep my hands off. Oh, I got hit with a shot. I need to, I need to, I need to wake up now. I need to go, I need to go for it. And then it's mad how you can think for yourself, but at the same time, you can hear your coach on the corner. Yep. At the same time, you can hear the crowd shouting. But at the same time, you're still focused on your opponent. But at the same time, it's just everything. It's everything. It's just all emotion. I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's a beautiful thing. For me, many, I always say it's a beautiful thing. At the same time, you can make your opponent miss and you can make them pay for it. And at the same time, you know when to up the gear and when to lower the gear. You understand? You know when to go a bit more hard, they push the gear and then when to take a deep breath, you know, work about your defense and then go again and then go and then go again. And, and but to me, I think it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a beauty. It's a beautiful sport. It's just a beautiful sport. But same time, it's a dangerous sport. You know, it's very, very dangerous. But uh, that's what you work hard for. That's why you train yourself every day, every minute, second and hours. So that, you know, condition your body very well to be able to last each round and each minute and each uh, each round. Yeah. Let's talk about emotions. I know you won't go into every round with a game plan and you have your strengths and you're trying to read the opponent. But... Uh, I mean, human nature is when you get hit or hit a lot, then you get mad. But that can also, that can be a deterrent. That that might not help you. You have to control all that. Yeah, exactly. The human, the mentality is the most important thing. First thing in boxing, um, my coach always told me, is me to be very relaxed in boxing. And I never used to understand that because when I first got in the ring, all I always wanted to do was knock people out. <laughs> hit them my best shot, you know. And they just try it right there. But I think as the more you do boxing, the more experience you get internationally and in the mm -hmm. UK, the different the, the, the different opponent that you share the ring with, people that have been in boxing for many years more than you, you kind of understand that it's a skillful sport. It's not about how high you can hit them, but it's how smart you can be, you know. And smartness comes with the, the mentality. You cannot just read the book, you know, you can't just read the book just like that. You have to understand, understand the words, you know, you have to take it all in and ask yourself, okay, what does that word mean? Okay, what is, is this book trying to educate me on? You know, you have to think about it. So in boxing, even the physicality can help, you know, you have to be very physical, strong, but at the same time, you have to be very, very smart. You can get in the ring with someone that is um, that has the same style as you, my style is I'm a forward opponent. I put pressure, 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 pressure all the time. 
And there was one time in my boxing uh, amateur career where I got in the ring with a girl that was that had the same style as me. And uh, and I had to, at that moment I thought, right, okay, okay, this is what my coach told me about. He has always told me one day you're gonna get in the ring with someone that's big puncher just like you and that has the same energy you know same style as you and you have to be smart you have to improvise and that was when I had to be a bit more smarter a bit more clever and a bit more prettier for the judges that were watching on the side of the ring absolutely you know so the mentality the mentality you have to be the one to educate yourself people can help you in any other camp but you have to be the one to put it into practice and control your mindset your emotion and uh, knowing when it's time to just Calm down when it's time to, okay, I got to fight. I just have to fight. There's no other way around it. Or there's no other way around it. Right. Uh, it's a pretty remarkable run in your career with the uh, England uh, elite or England boxing elite. You win the light heavy championship. You you win the middle and then the light medal. You worked high down to low. Most people, as they grow, they're building the other way. Yeah, I'm to- I, was, I was told that. I was told that by a lot of people. Um I think the only one that has ever managed to do it was, uh, I think, at two ways, Natasha Jonas. She was the Miss GB in GB in Great Britain. She was in Great Britain. She went to Olympic in 2020, in 2012 for Great Britain, the first ever female for Great Britain to ever go to the Olympics. So um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an honor for me to have, uh, I've challenged myself and I pushed myself and I, I've achieved what I've, I've uh, what I've, uh, the goals that I've I've set for myself. And I'm very pleased that I was able to do what I did. And hopefully there's be there be many many older generations that have been able to do something like that, like me. Uh, and then uh, Amanda Colson had a big effect on you, the uh, England boxing national coach, introducing you to this thing called the IOC refugee team. Talk talk us through that process and kind of opened up a whole nother door for you. So um um so there's this thing here in England when you win championship, it, it's called a. ABA's championship, like the one that um, I won at the 81 kg, 75 and 70. Um, you get an, you get like an assessment day with you know, Great Britain Boxing. And um, I had many, many assessments with Great Britain Boxing. Um, but um, when it came to the time when I passed my assessment, you get put into a program with Great Britain. But um, on the contract, it said that you had to be a British citizen or a British passport. By that moment, I didn't have a British passport. So uh, you almost got deported in that time, huh? Yeah, I, was, I almost got deported because of my paper situation. Home office, uh, I was not. Uh, I was not. Uh, it was not. I was not. Uh, I didn't have the right paper to stay in the UK, so they nearly got deported. And I, I actually got sent to a detention camp um, once. Me and my brother in London differently. He got sent to a male one, and I got sent to a female one. But. Uh, um, during COVID, that was when it actually hit because I think I, want, I wanted to turn pro. But Amanda Coulson, which is the chief in mm-hmm. England boxing women, she was the one that saw so many potential potential skills in that I had in me. Because uh, when I won so many ABAs, I was in the England boxing team. And uh, she was the one that uh, did a bit of search background. There was a Scotland boy uh, that managed to uh, compete in the international bar competition as a refugee uh, boxer. And um, she was telling me about how like, uh, there's this thing called a refugee, uh, in your refugee team where you can get your refugee team and you can go and compete internationally, but represent it the fair chance, fair chance, you know, fair chance team. And um, she did a lot of background. She um, told me about it. And I told the Great Britain um, staff members and they were the one that got hold of uh, the Olympic Refugee Federation. And obviously they got hold of Alfonso and many of the uh, staff members in the refugee uh, team. This is that's when I was able to get hold of. Uh, I was able to be part of the uh, scholarship. I was able to be part of one of the scholarship holder for the uh, um, and 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 this is where I am right now. And I'm part of the uh, refugee scholarship holder, and I'm happy. And I'm able to you know achieve many many things in boxing and uh, hopefully qualify for the Olympic um, in the qualifying Italy and um, gain place in the in the rest in the refugee Olympic team and the scholarship uh, that got you into elite training programs right I mean it, it t- tell us what that scholarship meant across you know your life so that scholarship means that I was able to you know um, achieve many, many things, go abroad, compete internationally, get that much experience as possible as I can so that when it actually comes to the qualifier, 
But when I do go to qualify, I have as many experience in boxing. You know, being in the ring in different environments, different weather, di- with different opponent, having just uh, boxing with different opponent. When it comes to actual the real, you know, the real deal, then I have that understanding of like, okay, I faced this opponent before. Then I know what the strength and the weaknesses. Then I compare, contract it to mine. I know what, I know what uh, tactic I have before I step in that ring with that person. And um, obviously, being in the, going to different country joining different training camp, I get to see what how different teams train, what they do. Um, you know, I get to explore the country itself. Um, I'm also I also train with Great Britain. Uh, even though I'm not part of Great Britain boxing team, I train yep. with them. I see them more than I see my family. <laughs> I just came back home yesterday from from um, Sheffield. That's what we train at English Institute. Mm-hmm. So we train together, we travel together, we go to training camp together. We actually go into an Italy training camp before coming back and going again to the qualify in Italy. Um uh but yeah, they count on my family, they take really care, they care take care of me. When I box, I have GB coaches on my corner on my as my coach, you know. Um we yeah. What incredible support and um we, we all need that. So what does refugee mean to you? Refugee to me means a uh, life-changing opportunity, you know, uh, opportunity that a lot of people has have, I see a lot of refugees out there all around the world that have so many potential, but they don't have that uh, that door yet for them to be open. I was so lucky and I thank God every day, you know, and I thank the Refugee Federation for having to, having chosen me, you know, to be able to be part of the, to be, part of the, to be, to be one of the scholarship holder, and to have so many doors to be open for me. I work hard every day and I, you know, and I think about all the opportunity that's given to me and I don't take anything for granted. And uh, the refugee, uh, just the refugee itself just mean uh, so many doors open, so many uh, potential for people to achieve. And it's a big family. You know, we all are all these different refugees all around the world. But yep. when we do meet together, we are a whole family. There's no difference or differences between us. We just... Why are you a refugee? There's a lot of di- people are getting away from wars. There's all kinds of reasons. The reason why I'm a ref- re- refugee is because um, um, uh, back in Cameroon, uh, it's my sexuality. It's I think the, the sexuality in, back in my Cameroon country is a bit, uh, it's not fully uh, better. So I was not... You can get very, you can get you can get put into danger. You know, when I say danger, I mean in different ways. I don't really want to name the different ways because I think everyone knows the word danger. But uh, back in my country, if I was sent back, I can be, I can bring, I can be in danger. So it was better for me to be given the refugee status to be staying in the UK and protect it. That's uh, that's wonderful to hear. Uh, I'm curious about, uh, you know, boxers. I've talked to uh, a few. And it's it's an amazing dual personality in the ring and outside the ring. Can you describe, because uh, you seem really likable and fun, but maybe I'm not, I don't want to get in the ring with you. <laughs> that was great. It's, I think it's every boxer, to be honest, you know, I think male and female, you know, or any athlete, you know, ordinarily to be, because, you know, when you get in the ring, that's your job. You know, you gotta have that mindset, focus. You know, I'm not your friend. You're not my friend. I don't know you. You don't know me. Even though I know them, I don't know. You, I don't know you. I'm trying to steal what you have. You're trying to steal what I have. So I'm not gonna smile with you. I'm not gonna give up with you. We're not gonna talk or anything. I'm just gonna get my job done. I'm gonna focus on what I have uh, planned with my team and just get on with it. But when I'm outside the ring, you know, I'm the most public person ever. You know, I talk with anyone. I can I can walk in the street. I'm a people watcher, by the way. I'd be going to town and I just talk to anyone. <laughs> I like talking to people. I like to know what they like. I I've been laughing with you. I've been smiling with you. But when people watch me in the ring, they'd be like, "That's not the girl." I've just seen, you know, <laughs> I've just seen her laughing with me, joking about certain things. And but that's just every human, you know. When you're at work. You're not smiling, you know, you know, you're serious because you gotta get on with your job. You gotta get on with my goal. I gotta get on my goal. I've set a high aim for myself and uh, I'm I work hard for it and I'm gonna make sure I've achieved them high high goals. Uh so in the in boxing, I'm not gonna smile with you, I'm sorry. But outside, I'll smile with you. We laugh about it. We you know, I'm an open person, I'm open book. I don't judge anyone, I laugh with anyone. Yeah, clearly you're a lot of fun to talk to, but 
uh, so when the when the bell rings and it's the end of round three, there's a hug because it's over. And there's there's always usually what I've seen is immense respect that you've just gone to war for three rounds. That's the beauty of it, right? That's the beauty of it. When you're in the warm up or even before you go to warm up in the changing room. It's just avoiding each other. You don't even meet, you're talking to each other at all. As you're walking into the ring, you don't even looking at each other. As the referee bring you guys together, you make eyes to act, no more smiling, seriousness, everything. Get in the ring, punching, punching each other from left, right, center, <laughs> you know, trying to dodge punches and sweating, coughing, and you go back and let the bell, the last bell ring, and you're just hugging there, telling you well done, and I wish you all the best, and kissing, and you're like, it's crazy, it's the most, and then after the get out of the ring, you're talking to each other, you tell each other, well done, you did that well, you caught me with this shot, you caught me with that shot, and they're like, oh, I caught you with, you know, it's like, people look at you, they're like, and you look at each other like, we were just in the ring, we were beating each other <laughs> up, and trying to make each other bleed, and you know, and now we're just talking like we're friends, but that's the beauty of every sport. That's the beauty of every um, individual sport. That's the beauty of it. I think it's a beautiful, it's, a, it's the most beautiful thing. In this world, that's a cycle of life. You know, when you go into a nine to five office job, I'm trying to, you're trying to get that promotion that that person is trying to get. You're not friend. But once that, whoever get the promotion at the end, you're happy for them, even though it's still hard, but you're just happy for them. You just move on. It's a great attitude. I love it. Um... So your approach coming up to the uh, the Olympic qualifier in Italy, uh, it's 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 a chance to make your dream come true. But but you you can't really look at the end. You have to look at the process, right? Yeah. How are you handling yeah. that? How will you handle that when you get there, and you know you're going into the ring for the first time? How, how do you handle your your dream? Is it a motivator in each minute? I work, I, I just like to say I work hard for it. I work very, very hard in training. I visualize it every day of my training. Uh, moments when I feel like I don't have any more energy to push in the run, on the back, on the pad, inspiring. And I feel like this is this hurts so much. Why am I doing this? You know, you just visualize in that moment where you get in the ring and you're like, okay, this is the last one. Okay, you go back in your corner and they're telling you you lost this round. You know, you need to step up now. You can't, there's no other way out. You have to step up because if you don't, then you're out. You know, I push myself every day. I've had like a routine every day and I visualize every scenario boxing, whether it comes to a point where someone is stronger than me, they're faster than me, you know, they have more energy than me and I, I've worked on it. I worked and I prepared myself for it. And my team, you know, my coaches and everyone um, that are always by my side, but we always worked on it. We worked on everything. And anyone, anything that my opponent I would bring to me in the ring, I pray to God and I uh, hope that I know that I'll be able to handle it. I am not worried. All I need to do is just rest, rest and just relax and just do, uh, do my best. And that's all that matter. Yeah. Nothing else. It's all about three rounds, three minutes per round, total of nine minutes each bout. Uh, but so much in, goes into that. It's crazy. It goes very quick, doesn't it? Amateur boxing, you blink your eyes and it's just finished. So many action within three minutes. Crazy, right? It's the most beautiful thing ever. And uh, you watch all the people, they're watching it outside. They're like, oh, wow, wow. And we in there, we're just like, yep. I told the expert, this person told them, I make them, I make them miss, they make me miss. And I'm throwing that, this, 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 that. Before they know it, one round finish. Go back to your corner. One minute feels like 20 seconds back in there the second round. Go back to your corner. You, you're here listening to your coach, you're puffy, your heart's pumping, you're trying to take your deep breath and you're trying to get ready, listening to the instruction that you told. Before you know it, go again. And before you know it, the referee raised the hand of who's the winner. And yeah. Well, it's it's funny because you don't have, like if it's a five round, six round bout, you, you have a time to feel the opponent out and come up. But first round, second round, third round, you got to win round one Right, and then you have a chance to, you know, work your way to round three and get the get the decision. Exactly, just like that. First round always the one where you watch. If you ever watch a bo amateur boxing fight, the first one is the one where each opponent is, is sharp. You know, no one is trying to get caught with nothing because you don't want to lose the first one. Because once you lose the first one, you have to work even more harder for the second and the third whilst the other one can kind of ease off. Not ease off fully, but ease off a bit. Is they won the first round. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very, very hard. But uh, 
every boxer that's stepped in the ring internationally as an elite with many, many experience have that understanding of, okay, I missed that one. I got this step up now. And you train for it. You work hard for it. All you got to do is just believe in yourself and just go out there, listen to your team and just get on with it. At the end of each round, you don't know who won. You just know what your, what your corner tells you. Right, you have no idea that you can't see the scoring. There's no way to really find out, but they'll tell you you're all right. You got to pick it up. You won the round. Well, they probably won't tell you you won the round, will you? Will they? <laughs> yeah, they tell you. They, they tell do. you won okay. the round. I like to. I like to know on the first round whether I won or lost. I right. like to know. Some boxers don't like to know, which is fine. Everyone's different. Every boxer, every boxer or athlete is different. Right. But I like to know whether I won the first round or not. So that it's like it's like, a, it's like a, when you organize something, you like to know where everything is, is everything is where, so that you can get your hand on it. Yeah, I like to know. Okay, I'm not lost. I've lost that one now. I'm gonna step it up. Okay, I want this one. Okay, now I just gotta keep it right there in the middle. I can't go fully down. I gotta keep it right there in the middle, just so I can win the second round, and the third round, if possible. Right, and they may tell you you won, but then at the end, you I'm sure you've had bouts where you go, I lost. How did that happen? Like, sometimes you don't feel what the judges are feeling or you don't see what they're feeling. Sometimes, you know, it, sometimes they make mistakes. Exactly. That's the most, I think, for every amateur boxer, every amateur boxer, that's the most annoying thing. And for the coaches to, you know, you be watching your boxer, you be, even you be in the ring, you're thinking, yeah, I won that round. Next minute, you know, you go and fight and you have no one more round. You go back to your corner, you like, you tell them, oh, I'm sure I won that round. They're like, no, you're down. You're like, what? Yeah. But then I think at that moment, some boxes sometimes automatically will go and fight emotionally. But I think the best thing to do always is just to stay calm, stay very relaxed, and just trying to step it up. It's, the, it's easy for me to say, don't get me wrong. It's easy to say <laughs> than to actually do it. Don't get me wrong. But um, like I said, every experience, as much experience as you get, you get better at it. You get, you get, you get a bit better at it. You're not fully better. Because no one's perfect, no one's perfect, but you get a bit better on how to handle it. Yeah, for sure. And you're 25. You sound like uh, you have the the presence of a, of a much older, experienced boxer. It's it sounds great. So let's talk about the European Championships, the Olympic qualifier last June. I believe it was your second bout, the round of 16. You lost a tight three-two decision to the eventual champion, Afa O'Rourke. Uh, yeah. What did you learn in that? Because that would have told me, if I'm you, that I am right there. So um, when I went into that bout, I think it was mainly when, when if you go back to the topic, when we talked about the uh, mentality, mentality on how you uh, handle your, your your emotions. And um, I think uh, when I got in that ring, I was just a bit too hyped, uh. a bit too uh, over the top. Uh, like I said before, no one is perfect. No one ain't there. Is whether you get around the day. That's what they always say. You might watch a boxer right now, you think, yeah, he definitely qualified for the Olympic. He would definitely win an Olympic medal. You know, but every fighter, no matter how many experience you have, is whether you, the the fighter again gets feels right. You know, is getting right on the day. That's right. what mattered the most. And uh, when I got in that ring, I just I was just a bit emotionally happens to every boxer. Uh, I've learned a lot. It was a tough. It was a tough. It was a tough uh, result to swallow, you know, because uh, that's what every fighter train for, work hard for. When you get in the ring, you have that mindset of, I'm going to win this. Mm -hmm. Whatever they bring to the table, I'm going to win it. But I think it made me mentally stronger. Made very, very, very mentally stronger. Very mentally stronger. A bit more ease, at ease now. So um, I fought the best of the best because she ended up qualifying and winning the game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, she, she's, she just went through... And you were right there with her. If I'm you, I'm thinking I'm right. I'm right there. Yeah. So to have had to, sh to have shared the ring with her, and for her to have qualified and won the gold medal for the European, um, it just shows my uh, my skills, my knowledge, my my skills, and my uh, how 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 of a great fighter I am. So I take that into you know my next qualifier, and I've taken it ever since the European, and I've been working hard on it. That's what I've been working out. That's very wise. I can tell from your experience, um, you know, the, the your refugee status and all you had to go through. You have a, a lot to pass on, and you you know you're a role model and growing in that stature, helping other young girls. But you know, it's in the rings one thing, 
but there are many more profound life issues. Do, do you feel like you, you have a great platform now and, and it's only growing to, to help others? <laughs> That's a tricky question. I don't know if I have a great platform. Uh, I think I have great people by my side, uh, people that are just the most amazing people uh, in boxing and outside boxing. You know, my family and my boxing family and the refugee and the GD boxing and my whole family, my club and my town have amazing people on my side to support me mentally and physically and to relax me and to always reassure me. And because at the end of the day, I'm a human. Let's forget that I'm a fighter. I'm an athlete. I'm a human just For like sure. you, just like Alfonso, just like everyone else. Uh, I'm a human and every human uh, needs uh, support. And uh, I have that. Um, the platform also, I have amazing platform. You know, I've met the most amazing uh, GB, previous GB boxers like uh, Savannah Marshall, um, Chantal Cameron, Natasha Jones, you know, uh, uh, you know, I can name, I can name many. I can name Lauren Price, Paris. You know, many, many GB boxers and um, other amateur boxers too. And uh, I've seen them. I see them fight. I see them achieve amazing things. And I see all the boxers too. And amateur boxers achieving amazing things. And that is how motivating. You know, it's like you see a little child hitting the bag and they're so confident in themselves. They're like, yeah, and you're like thinking, damn. He or she is scaring me, you know. They're so motivated. They have more energy more than me. I need to step it up. Yeah, I seems like I'm a bit down here. I need to step it up a bit because, you know, everyone, everyone motivates me. Even someone that does not even involve in any sport or in boxing, they motivate me because at the end of the day, like I said, I'm a human at the end of the day. I'm a boxer, yeah, but I'm a human, just like anyone. And you have a soft side, and, and that's important also in in uh, leading other uh you know, other young ladies to do whatever they want to do. It's important to be able to message that too. Yeah, I do. I have a soft side. I'm a, I'm, 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 I'm a smiley person. I smile a lot. I smile too much maybe. <laughs> and I'm always happy, always full of energy. And uh, um, I've always, my mom, I, my mom always has also always told me that you're a bit too, uh, what's the word when um, someone is just a bit, you're too nice. <laughs> someone, people can take advantage of, mm-hmm. you know. There's a word for it, so I've always questioned, am I really a bit too, too nice? Can people really take advantage of me? But uh, I've always, I, that's just who I am. And I can't really change myself. But, and listen, I've, I believe in, I've achieved many, many things to be myself. And I'm just going to keep on being, being who I am and not changing, really. Yeah, bravo to that. Just a couple more questions. Um, obviously, you know, mental health has become uh, center stage now throughout the world with everybody it's much more of a discussed thing it's okay to tell people when you're not okay and all that and certainly in athletics as well um how do you approach your mental health what, what checklists do you have so like i said when i first came in the uk i was very shy very reserved keeping my own self to myself uh, don't talk to no one only my family member just very like i had like a wall there was no no, like no one can open the wall. So boxing was the one that opened it little by little, and you know it's still not fully open because, like I said, I'm a human. Not everyone's always gonna really be open about their lives. People like certain, you know, people like privacy right. in their lives. I'm a human, and um, ways on how I always got better with my mental health with my family uh, and uh, my family, people that are there for me, and got you know. There was moment in my life with my paper situation when I felt like this is it, it's finished now. This I'm gonna be sent back. I just felt helpless. And people were there to support me, help me. And I pray to God every day and I read my Bible and I speak to him every day and I'll ask him to help me, support me with this, you know, to make a miracle happen. And uh, that's when my paper situation was able to be fixed, you know. And uh, ever since then I have always given my my life to God. And my family members too, because they were there to support me to moment, tough moment when I felt I was down, I was just depressed, and I just felt helpless. You know, I would have people to talk to, people to listen, give me advice, and to see things in the way, you know, see my my view in ways on to see my views in my way, you know, and and kind of like help support me and help me. So uh, I always, I'm always going to be grateful for my family and God. And I, those are the people I always tend to go to my family to moment where I feel, you know, I feel anxious or I feel. Because you gotta understand, um, 
any fighter that says they don't feel nervous or their adrenaline is not kicking in or they feel a bit anxious, to me, you know, you don't deserve to be in the sport. <laughs> you just don't. Because that's not normal. It's just not normal. <laughs> I mean, if you know, if you can do it, that's just like I respect you. That I give my hat to you. Like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> but uh, I always have my family involved on my side, and I work hard for it. And uh, I work hard. That's one of the reasons I work very. That's my third reason. I work very, very hard for it. And there's no way that I'm going to back down or I'm going to look into that nerve and anxious side and trying to dig into like more into it. It's normal, but it's how you control it. And it's how you accept that's there. It's going to be there. And it's how you strive to it. Well said. So uh, you're at the qualifier. You got you got to uh, fight every other, I mean, every day. You win, you move on the next day. How do you handle the stress, you know, getting ready? You go into the ring, you do that. You back off, and then you have a little bit of, you know, maybe twelve. You have twenty-four hours, or maybe a little less, to get ready. How do you, how do you handle that? Build, you know, the taper down and the build up. Um, I always try to forget about boxing after I won my first fight. I forget about it. I don't think about it. I go and read my book, um, speak to my family. Um, when I speak to them, we don't speak about boxing. Ah. Um, we just talk about whatever we want. I read, I read my book, and I read books. I watch series and that are, yeah, I just watch movies and eat my food and just chill. I don't think about boxing, don't think about nothing. The next day, that's when I start thinking about it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to end with this thought. Yeah, I understand you have uh, some important family living in Paris. So how cool would that be? <laughs> And you know my what I'm getting my, at. My, my beautiful, my, my stunning, and my, my world, my mother, and my sibling, and my auntie and uncle. And uh, I have a big family. I come from a big family. And uh, and I go and visit them. I go and visit my mom every uh, every year. Uh, I was just in Paris in uh, December, and I've seen the you know the preparation, how they're preparing for the, the Olympic and uh, they're doing so many construction down there and there's so many posts on the train, on the bus and, and the room. I can never miss it. I can never miss it. Like a reminder of a scene there, you better, you, better keep your, you better keep your mind sharp. You better stay on it. <laughs> so uh, my mom is excited for me and she knows that uh, I work hard for me and she knows that she believes in me and she always tells me, do your all, give your all. You know, hit them with your best shot. I'm like, boom, don't say that. They're going to hit me too, you know what I mean? I just don't like it when I get hit because I always tell them, how to you me to hit someone and not for them to hit me back? They're, of course, they're going to hit me back. But she's like, why do they have to hit me back? I'm like, oh, they're too funny. But uh, it'd be an amazing opportunity. Let me listen. Um, uh, even talking about it, I get chill because, you know, it's something that you visualize. But when it happened in real life, you're like, mind-blowing it's the most beautiful thing ever the most amazing thing that will ever happen to me and i will cherish it for the rest of my life for the rest of my life you know and i will pass it over to my my own kid praise be to the lord and uh, uh like i said they're very excited my mom cannot wait and um, even people here in the uk are even thinking of coming to paris to watch me and i'm thinking i'm telling them no no dad just watch on tv you don't have to some <laughs> of them i would you book ticket and everything you know book a fly in a hotel and it's you know, it's, I just I just appreciate I appreciate them so much and I'm just thankful. I thank God every day. I'm just so thankful people are just too kind and too sweet. And they just they just do it out of kindness. And so many they can see so much potential out of me. And sometimes I feel like I wanna you know, I wanna give them something to tell them thank you because I feel like saying thank you is not enough. You know, but uh, they just do it because they so see so many potential in me. They believe in me, and they, they believe they know how hard work, how hard I work. And yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It seems like there there's a little bit. Uh, I mean, it's a good kind of pressure, but there's a little bit of pressure for you to make it through to Paris. Do you use that in a motivating way? Yeah, I do definitely. I use it in a more more motivational way. Don't get me wrong. He's a he's a hard he's, he's a pressure. You know, people. People are taking their time out to come and watch you. They believe in you. They, they can visualize certain things in you. But um, uh, to tell you the truth, I think that uh, I only focus on myself. I appreciate the people that come in to watch me and 
be there for me, but I do it for myself. I don't do it for anybody else. When I first started boxing, I started for myself, from challenge myself. And for me, I've been proce- processing, have, for me to have processed all the way to the top, it still doesn't change my mindset of like, I do it for my mom, I do it for this. I do it for myself. Is uh, I know what I'm capable of, and I know my skills, and I've chose the sport, I've chose this pathway, and I've looked deeper into searching on how to uh, benefit me and uh, benefit me in any anything in boxing. And I did it. I do it for myself because I know how hard work, how hard I work for, and I set that goal for myself, and I know that I'm going to achieve it. Yeah, and that's why you're so successful, and we expect to see more success. Um, Cindy, good luck in um, Busto. Arsizio, Italy, will be following you. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's been, a, as I told you in the beginning, it's a, it's a great thing for me to be able to talk to you guys who are great athletes and have such a great outlook on life. Thanks for joining us on this Olympics.com podcast. Thank you very much for having us. This is the Olympics.com podcast. podcast. What an incredible and inspiring story. We're all pulling for Cindy Ngamba in the upcoming Olympic boxing qualifier in Italy and beyond for the rest of her life as she continues to grow, to push toward her goals and blossoms as a role model for so many. We have so much more original content relating to the refugee experience across our platforms here at Olympics.com. For instance, Camps to Champs. Olympians travel to refugee camps around the world to see how sport can positively affect the lives of the displaced. And Flag and Family. Meet the former refugee who became Norway's rising star of wrestling, Youth Olympic Games gold medalist Grace Bulen. She was born in a refugee camp in Eritrea and moved to Norway when she was four. There are so many boxing features as well for your enjoyment on Olympics.com. That's it for this episode of the Olympics.com podcast. Hit us up at Olympics with any feedback you have. We love feedback. It helps us get better. You can also hit me up on my Twitter at TK Sports Tweets. Thanks for being a part of the Olympic community and follow the road to Paris 2024 Olympic qualifying process right here as well. We'll see you next time. For more in-depth and original Olympics-related feature content, search our platforms here on Olympics.com.